Welcome to Dangerously Likely. I'm Caleb. And I'm Terrell. And today, we're dangerously likely to talk about complete and utter chaos. Well, before we talk about the complete and utter chaos that is America right now, I feel like we need to do a what if to set the mood, calm ourselves down, <laughs> without the candles and all that jazz, obviously. Um, because set the mood. Anyway, um, <laughs> this is why I leave the jokes to you. So, Caleb, what if you were able to be in a cartoon, any cartoon of your choosing, what cartoon would it be and why? Huh. To be honest, Terrell, I was not a big cartoon guy when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Even I mean, though you play video games and everything? like I mean, I watched some of the old yeah. cartoons, like Bugs Bunny, you know? Yeah. A little bit of Mickey Mouse. Those count. I know. But it wasn't much more out of that. You weren't like a Nickelodeon Disney kid? A little bit. A little bit. Like little Ed, Ed and Eddie. Oh, see, I hated that show. Ed, Ed, is it Ed? Yeah. Ed? Oh my god. I hated that show. Yeah, I don't know if I was a huge fan. I did a little SpongeBob. Everyone did a little SpongeBob. I feel like there's more, but I'm just not remembering all the names. Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh, Tom and Jerry. Ah, oh, quality, oh. quality. My mom wasn't a huge fan of it. Really? Yeah. Violence. I don't know. I don't know, but I certainly like Tom and Jerry. Is that going to be your answer? I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have a clear answer to this one, Terrell. Oh, jeez, you make it so difficult. Uh, I do. Yeah. Like, I feel like you already have an answer to these. When you I don't. Them. I don't actually. Um, <laughs> specifically because there's so many options. Well, what are like a couple of them that you liked a lot? Um, Teen Titans, hundred percent up there. I was one of those Teen weird... Titans, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, Kim Impossible. Kim Possible? Kim Possible. <laughs> I forgot about that Ron one, Ron Stoppable. So, yeah, you kind of <laughs> got close. Yeah, The Proud Family. Um, what else used to be on? What was the other cartoon on Disney Channel? I can't think of it. Mm. But I was one of those weird kids who, like, loved... Cartoon Network for a while was a Nickelodeon kid like Fairly Odd Parents, Danny Phantom. Oh, Fairly Odd Parents is probably the one for me. <laughs> I knew I, I knew I was forgetting something. I loved Fairly Odd Parents. You very much are Timmy Turner. It makes sense. Yeah, not yeah. Jimmy Neutron though. I feel like Jimmy Neutron was good, but I Fairly Odd Parents I think was hands down my favorite. Okay, okay. Why? I just remember. I remember me and my sister always watching it. And sometimes even my mom would watch it with us. Mm. And we just always thoroughly enjoyed the show. I couldn't tell you a lot besides remembering the looks of the characters, to be honest, because I was just a little kid. But mm -hmm. I remember liking it. So I remember it being one of my favorite shows when I was a kid. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know where I would fall. Because a part of me is thinking like... Teen Titans and Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. I forgot about Pokemon. Um, Never really watched Yu-Gi-Oh. Love Yu-Gi-Oh. But like all those, the one, like Danny Phantom even where, yeah. oh, if I was in that, I could maybe have a superpower or do something awesome. But then I think to my preteens where um, I want to say it was 17 or teens. It was something on Cartoon Network or like a group of teenagers who would hang out at the mall 
And that was like my idea of what my teenage life was going to be like. So I also <laughs> want that. I don't know. I'm stuck. What about Powerpuff Girls? Oh, I forgot about Powerpuff Girls. Powerpuff. I, I wouldn't really pick them though because yeah, my sister watched them more than I did. They were cool, but it just it wasn't my like. If I was going to end up in a cartoon, that wouldn't be the end all be all. I'd been fairly odd parents for sure. Or Robo those parents, Girl. fairly odd. They were. They were. <laughs> yeah. They forget that their son existed. I feel like. Yes. <laughs> um. I think if I have to put one down right now, I'm going to say Teen Titans because I would naturally end up with some type of superpower and that would just be kind of cool. I'm Terrell and I would naturally end up with some kind of superpower, yet I still beat him in Mario Kart every day. Um, I also <laughs> beat you today, so I don't know what you're talking about. Just for a minute, I'm going to change your question. What if you were a cartoon character but in a video game? Which video game would it be? Ooh... I think mine would be some kind of Mario game. Hmm. I played so many Mario games when, like, on my Wii mm-hmm. as a kid. Super Mario Bros. Classic. I do that. I'm stuck between Pokemon and oh, Pokemon's a good one. Kingdom of Hearts. King. I don't think I ever played that. Oh, I loved Kingdom of Hearts. I think I. The reason, without spoiling anything or telling people all the stuff, the reason I love Kingdom of Hearts is every. Walt Disney character was in the video game somehow. So you got to run into Mickey and Goofy and do all the things. And it just had so much fun. So, Oh, yeah. I remember that is a Disney game, isn't it? Yep. But Pokemon, I could end up with like an awesome sidekick and go to the gym. So, ah. Always adventuring. But uh, Pokemon Go died for me super quick. So I'd probably go Kingdom Hearts now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, Super Mario Bros. for me, but a close runner up is Super Smash Bros. Brawl. I can't stand Super Smash Bros. It's too much chaos. I love it. It's too much. Almost as much chaos as what happened at the Capitol last week. Coming up next. (laughs) Do we have to talk about that? Can Can we just pretend like it didn't happen? All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media. That's what they've done and what they're doing. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. And to use a favorite term that all of you people really came up with, we will stop the steal. Alexander Marquardt is there right in the middle of all of this. He's joining us on the phone right now. So, uh, Alex, explain what you're seeing and what you're hearing. How worried are the folks uh, where you are? Well, they're not worried. In fact, Wolf, they're certainly energized. We're on the western side of the Capitol, right where the inauguration is going to take place in two weeks. And there's been a significant escalation in just the last few moments. The protesters had been relatively peaceful and held at bay by a police line. In the last few minutes, they have broken through that police line. I'm watching as we speak throngs of protesters climbing the steps on the western side of the Capitol. They have reached up onto uh, the terrace of the Capitol. 
um, I can see at least half a dozen protesters scaling, literally climbing the walls of the Capitol to get up to where their fellow protesters are. Wolf, it is hard to say what the police presence is out here. I, I cannot see uh, any sort of law enforcement. Right now, everything I'm seeing is, uh, is protesters getting onto the grounds of the Capitol with very little pushback from law enforcement. Wolf? All right, let's go to Mano Raju right now. He's getting more information. Mano, what are you learning? Now, we have been told and we have been, there have been spotted protesters are inside the Capitol building. So we're recording this on January 12th, a week after um, the breaking news report that you just heard. And if I'm being honest, Caleb, I'm still, I don't want to say I'm still processing because I definitely understand what happened, but I'm still trying to figure out where we go next. Well, Terrell, and we'll talk about this a little bit more throughout the episode, but I think the only place to go is what's happening currently, and that's impeachment and removal. I would agree. I, I, I think hearing his words, what he said to his supporters in front of the Capitol, essentially, is a direct threat to the country and the oath that he took. But very similar to what I mentioned in um, It's All About Us, history, while remembering him for all of these things, will also remember him as the second most voted for candidate in American history. And whether you impeach and remove him or not, the violence that ensued because of the words that he said was not magically implanted into 100,000 people's heads. Well, actually, if you really want to get into the numbers, um, 74 million people's heads, it was there. He helped bring it out. So what what does it really mean if you cut the head off the snake if the body's still going to move? Well, second most voted for candidate of all time in a presidential election history that still lost all three bodies. True. Yeah. Like, like did, I think, was he really going to win the House, though? No. <laughs> no. But he but did Senate. lose it two years ago. And then he lost the Senate. But I guess my point is, I think we do need to recognize that. But at the same time, I wonder... I kind of wonder... Because this day and age of America is so, like, hypercharged politically. Like, divisive. Mm-hmm. That I wonder that, like... If this was hypercharged any other election year, would there be, would we be thinking the same thing, but maybe for two different candidates entirely? How do you mean? Let's say it's 2012, Obama versus Mitt Romney. Okay. But it's just, it's like it is today. Exactly like it is today. Same kind of environment. Maybe you still don't have someone that kind of incites violence and incites race and all this all these different things that is as crazy and i'm not saying that any other candidate is quite like trump but i'm saying in a supercharged environment could we potentially see turnout just way up on both sides and another candidate have the same kind of go down as the second most at that time even maybe if it wasn't 74 million you know 
No, yeah, I'm, I'm tracking. I, I think I think that's a good question and a good point. Um, and I think that's something that the Biden administration is 100% going to wrestle with. Of <laughs> Was this a mandate for policies that I'm hoping to hold? Or was this a mandate against the incumbent president? Which kind of null and voids you as being this change maker and this person is going to do amazing things. Um, but I, I think... I think, too, one of the reasons it's hard for me in this space to speak to to speak to the fact that I was at home in Michigan on a call with a student as this was occurring and then explaining it to my parents, watching it in real time, is I've had friends march in the Black Lives Matter movement across the country. I participated in a few. Um, I traveled to a city in Idaho for a vacation and had an Ahmaud Aubrey situation where a female called the cops, made a false report saying I was um, assaulting my friend who I was there with, and I'd spend two hours explaining to the cops I hadn't, do, hadn't done anything because a remote was on the floor. Nothing was in shambles in the Airbnb, but a remote was on the floor, and that triggered them enough to think that I, 145 pounds soaking wet, assaulted my friend. So I, I think my biggest struggle here is a group of white, conservative Trump supporters marched through the streets of Washington, D.C., up through the Capitol, punching, hitting, kicking, spitting at, yelling at, multiple windows multiple cops are injured in this marching through the capitol it's it's pretty much the same thing and again what difference like what what is the effect if you do cut the head off the snake but the body keeps moving i i struggle with processing all of this because i very much think that had half of that population been people of color we would be having a very different conversation today versus the conversation we're having where 50 um, cops from the Capitol Police Department are currently under investigation for participating actively in the the riot and the assault on the Capitol. There's kind of two ways I want to take this. And one is kind of still related to that 74 million the 74 million people who voted for Trump, making him the second all-time uh, candidate for president to get votes. Um, what strikes me as kind of almost ironic is that Republican turnout for the presidential election was so supercharged. Mm-hmm. I mean, in support of both candidates, really. Yeah. And that's why Trump got it. But then you take a look a month and a half later at Georgia, where... Republican turnout was down in some of these counties and ultimately they lost because our turnout was better in Georgia Mm -hmm. where Joe Biden only won by 12,000, but both John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, congratulations to them both. And we'll, we'll go into this deeper in a future episode, but they both got out of recount territory. Yeah. They both won by, I think Raphael Warnock won over by over a percent, mm-hmm. and John Ossoff was around there. Yeah, somewhere close to a percent. I can't remember specifically. Short-lived celebration. But I remember... <laughs> <laughs> for reals. But I remember, I was just watching the news all day just about the election. Like, 
ooh, is, are the Democrats going to win the Senate? Like, mm-hmm. I was staring at it the day before or the night before. And then I was staring at it just in the morning while getting ready. And all of a sudden, like, this happens. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? And sometime in the middle of the day, like, usually news orgs are like, we're projecting this person to win this state or something like that. Or this senator wins or whatever. And... They didn't even do that with John Ossoff, who did win the next day sometime in the afternoon to evening. It was just a breaking news headline banner underneath them showing pictures of what the hell was going on in the Capitol. And I think you're right, Terrell. I think think if if it was a Black Lives Matter protest, if half of those people were a person of color or just not white, I think we'd be talking about how many people died. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. Um... We would be talking about how many people died. We would be talking about why the president of the United States didn't come out and speak at all and and try to tamper. I just, the last four years of the Trump administration has been one of incompetence, of an inability to wrestle and, and keep him maintained. But above all else, it's been a lack of leadership, not only from the administration, but from members of the party to say we've gone too far. And we can't, while we can be frustrated and, and hear the words that he played in, or the words he said in front of his supporters, we can't ignore the fact that this violence ensued after Ted Cruz stood up and agreed he was willing to object to Arizona's vote count. And the Senate and House were in both of their chambers having conversations about an objection to a free and fair election because a fraction of the Republican Party is so blindly aligned to and in faith with Donald J. Trump that they were willing to literally throw the kitchen sink, the toilet, the refrigerator, hell, the whole goddamn house just to see what was going to happen. Oh, my God. Ted Cruz is so disgusting. He goes up there before any of this Capitol riot stuff happens, and he's on the Senate floor arguing why we shouldn't accept Arizona and really everybody else's electors. Yeah. And he's saying, like, 40% of the country thinks that there was fraud or something in the election, something similar to mm-hmm. that, in that we deserve to to do something about that. To have that a conversation about it. But there's still a majority that don't believe that the, anything went wrong with the election, and he just completely and, completely and blatantly ignores it. He's making a bet that this will get him elected to president sometime in the future. It's funny that you say he's making a bet because... As the violence then ensues and they get separated and taken to bunkers and things of that nature, his campaign rolls out a text message to all of his supporters fundraising off the fact that he is objecting. So, uh, like, I I keep coming back to that. Yeah, so the House is going to, there's no doubt in my mind, impeach Donald Trump if he gets removed up for debate. But the head will be severed from the body. But you can still see that. The muscles are still moving. The, the the body is still there. And hell, it might grow a new head. The new head might be Ted Cruz, which I'm Ew. so sorry for the Republican Party if that's where they go. I'm sorry for all of us. <laughs> but I don't want to see him anymore. Same. Wish he was expelled. 
Eh, it's a possibility. It is. But <laughs> it, the chaos that happened on January 6th is not... It, it, it's not the illness. Hell, it, I wouldn't even say it's a symptom. It's it's a repercussion of multiple symptoms. It's morphed into something else. But it, all of these pieces have been going on for four years. And there was a a tweet that came out as everything happened from some random black guy who was like, <laughs> to all my um, BIPOC folk who are listening to this, this ain't on us. We voted. We We did our job. Yeah, we got the Senate. We got the presidency. We got the House. This is on the white folk. They got to figure out and go to Jesus and, and, and rebuild that. And it's that type of thing of what what draws the line. Hell, CNN did a quick poll of, and I know I, for me to bring up polls after what I said about pollsters is just rambunctious. Nate Silver haunts you. No. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> Five E Fox is back. No, also no. <laughs> but for CNN to run a poll and find that forty-five percent of Republicans felt that nothing wrong happened at the Capitol. Forty-five percent. Yes, that is not the majority of Republicans, but that is a very large number to say that an attack on the People's House that resulted in the line of succession being triggered and Secret Service having to protect multiple members of Congress out of fear of their lives, people walking through the halls of the Capitol chanting, hang Mike Pence, kill Nancy Pelosi, someone stealing a laptop out of the Speaker's house that might have contained, like, I, there's so much in that. And I am frustrated because I can't break out of the the mindset as a marginalized individual that had it been black people, we would not be having this conversation. No, so y'all would have never got in the Capitol. So the National Guard would have been called when they should have been called. So they would have like, already been there. How, they would have been prepared. How? What do we talk about? Like, how do we? How does the country then try to pretend like, oh, we can fix this because the issue is bigger than just Donald Trump? And it, there are pictures after everything happened because the, the Senate and House proceeded to go through and finish the certification, which still got objected to a few times. Um, Tom Cruise. Still making the bet. Still making the bet. I'm going to win Hawley. presidency. Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley's going to run for president. Oh, 100%. I hate him. Same. <laughs> um, but there are images that come out from the, from the Associated Press of your marginalized folks cleaning up the Capitol building, doing what marginalized folks have done for this country since mm-hmm. they got brought here, of damned if you are smart, damned if you're in, you're pretty, damned if you are a good person. At the end of the day, you are a marginalized person, and you need to clean up all the muck that your Caucasian counterparts left behind, pretend like you're happy, and move on with the day. And that's why I, I'm so frustrated of how did we get here knowing that the country was already here and people have been saying it for years, but also how do we not keep ending up here because we're so quick to say, oh, it was the Robert E. Lees who were the problem. It was the Donald Trumps. It was the um, George Wallaces. How do we finally just say, no, it was the creation... 
it was the creation of this country that is the problem. And we've had a lot of little people that have exploited it. I think that white liberals, and I'm not sure if this is necessarily just per generation. I think people who saw the horrific things that were happening to people of color and black people in general were obviously horrified and some of them did go and march. But I think ever since that happened, it was like, okay, like we did it. We've overcame this. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe we did it in some ways, but there was just kind of this, 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 this illusion that it was, it was just always getting better. Like we were at a place where we're really getting better. And some people even went to far, went so far as to say, Oh, racism that barely exists. Like, yeah, maybe there's some racist people here and there, but what? Like, there was some kind of a weird illusion that was going on. And I think especially over the last several years, especially after the last four years of this Trump presidency, I think people have really uh, woken up to the fact that there is two Americas and there always was. I would agree. And I, I think to a book that I read in college, um, The Other America, that it didn't look at it from a, a marginalized standpoint in the sense of ethnicity and race, but it did um, it did focus on poverty and the fact that the country has always struggled with a social economical differential um, of experience. Where I think I, I again lean on what you mentioned and the white liberal and the disillusionment um, is the last time the country was in this space where the, the topic of race was constantly in its forefront, it broke in half and went to war with each other, with itself. Um, because people didn't want to have that conversation. Are we on that course now? Are we are we in a space where you can't do what you did before COVID of, oh, another black person died at the hand of the, the police. We're going to be outraged. There's going to be some protests. The black people are going to still talk about it, but the white people kind of filter off. George Floyd happens. Ahmaud Arbery Brianna Taylor, you have all of these happening when there aren't games that can distract you. There aren't, um, there is an opportunity to go out to a restaurant, hang out with friends to, to break away from it. Politics is always in your forefront. But the pandemic changes and restrictions lift and you see those conversations decrease a little bit. Now it's back to the forefront again. Are we as a country, even even though it's a topic we need to have, because of the current occupant of the Oval Office, marching full speed ahead towards another situation where we have to have a real honest look at ourselves and determine, can we, we function? Can two houses be divided? And maybe this isn't a country issue, but is that where the Republican Party's headed? This kind of takes me to the... To- the second place I wanted to take this conversation. And that really is the question of where the Republican Party is headed. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have um, a resolution just today on Tuesday was passed by the House 
telling basically Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office, which needs a majority vote from the cabinet, and then Mike Pence's, the vice president's approval for the vice president to take over from the president, deeming the president unfit. Mm-hmm. Mike Pence has already said, no, I'm not going to do that. So that means that the House tomorrow will most likely, um, inevitably, really vote on impeachment proceedings, on articles of impeachment. Yeah. And they will. But this time was different than last time. Last time, uh, Republicans in the House formally lobbied against the vote of impeachment. This time, they're not going to do that. And there's also several GOP House representatives that are going to um, vote with the Democrats on impeachment here, including Liz Cheney, who is the number three GOP leader in the House behind Steve Scalise and Kevin McCarthy. Liz Cheney said... The president of the United States summoned this mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. Everything that followed was his doing. None of this would have happened without the president. The president could have immediately and forcefully intervened to stop the violence. He did not. There has never been a greater betrayal by a president of the United States of his office and his oath to the Constitution. Which is a pretty forceful rebuke of President Trump. Yeah. Especially from the leadership. And you also have Mitch McConnell leaking today that he supports the impeachment proceedings against President Trump, which is interesting to see what his vote will be in terms of actually removing Trump when it goes to the Senate. I guess my question for you is, do you think the GOP has a chance here if they actually did vote to remove him? Or do you think they're headed in a better direction than what they were before the Capitol riot? I think that's an... That's assuming that the current structure of the grand old party stands. I I was listening to CNN earlier today, and um, one of their correspondents mentioned that not only are we watching history because the for the first time in history, United States president will be impeached twice, um, but we're also watching in real time a party try to find its identity again and potentially split in half. So while I want to be the optimist and say, yeah, the the party's going to has realized it has come to the edge and damn near fallen over it. Um, they're also they're ready to start taking steps back. I don't think the entire party is ready to take those steps back. Again, 45% of Republicans, according to a CNN poll, felt like nothing was wrong with what happened at the Capitol. You have Fox News already starting to pivot and say that there were mostly peaceful protests. There were just a few bad actors who stormed into the Capitol. Yeah, it was protests that went wrong. Not an insurrection. Not Not a coup. Not a coup. Even though there are plenty of examples to prove that it is. Yes. Um, You have Josh Hawley, after everything happened, um, speaking and saying, I'm still going to object to Pennsylvania's vote because I think that there's fraud there. You have Ted Cruz going at it with AOC over Twitter, her pulling up receipts and really calling them out and him calling her a flat-faced liar and saying she's a threat to American democracy. Um, When he's the one challenging results that were already been challenged across the board and nothing has been found that you could overturn an election with. And then you also have the 60 lawsuits. 
61, he filed 61 lawsuits actually 61 over 60 lawsuits <laughs> trump did trump filed that many lawsuits and lost all of them except for one he won one he didn't win enough for it to be overturned yes no he and the one the one lawsuit he won was to have more poll watchers and anyway um but you're also seeing this really interesting thing happen too of you've had Mitt Romney, um, Chuck Schumer today, and Lindsey Graham all in public places. For Mitt Romney and Lindsey Graham specifically, they were at airports and they were being harassed. Mitt Romney had to listen to people chant his flight to D.C., um, uh, Trump 2020 or some nonsense, Trump's America, I don't remember. They chanted that the duration of his flight because he had that many Trump supporters on his flight. So I I want to say yes. I want to say that the that even though I want him to shrivel up into his little shell and die, the Mitch McConnells of the party <laughs> will do do what is necessary and fix their stuff. I, I don't think they have a grasp of it anymore. I really think that like a cancer, the sales of cells have reproduced in such a way that chemo just won't work anymore you can't just just fix it you either cut off the limb and hope that it didn't spread to the rest of your body or you just die and i i really think that's where the gop is at this moment Terrell, i kind of have one last question on this before uh we hit one last topic before the end of this podcast do you think that mitch mcconnell i mean to me, it's hard to believe that Mitch McConnell will do the right thing here, even though he has kind of moved towards the right way. Like mm-hmm. he had a speech saying, I'm not going to vote to overturn election results before the Capitol riot. And now he's kind of signaling that he's in support of the impeachment. Mm-hmm. Of course, we haven't really seen actual voting in action yet. And I'm not super confident that he will change his mind because of the last, honestly, his almost whole decade. career. <laughs> yeah. But I guess my question is, if he really was... Hypothetically, if he really was going to remove vote to remove, how much influence does he have? Is his influence still intact enough mm-hmm. that the Senate removes him? I want to say yes, but again, I don't know. I really don't know where this party is. It's not it's not the party I'm I'm used to. But you and I had a a conversation. I think where we left off is where other pundits should be instead of trying to figure out who's going to vote yes we should really think about who are the hard no's that we know going into this there's not a chance they're going to go against trump you had six republican senators who voted to overturn arizona and pennsylvania's they're like you know you have that core so then you build up from there six to twelve yeah originally there was twelve originally there were twelve and then they rolled off and then two of those twelve were Purdue and Loeffler, and they aren't in the Senate anymore, so it doesn't even matter. Heck yes. yes. So you start to work from there, and I I really think that when you look at the hard hard, um, no's for impeachment, you find it's a lot, the chasm between the hard no's to the yeses is not as big as people think it is. It's not all of this gray area where um, I think a lot of people are saying, well, more people are going to vote no because of X, Y, and Z. I do think that, and I, I lean on Lindsey Graham specifically for this, I think a lot of them are tired. I think a lot of them are ready to say, I quit. 
I'm done <laughs> and you can count me out. And I think they're just waiting for some signal from the man who recruited most of them, who's helped fundraise for most of their campaigns, and who has been the strategic mastermind of the Republican Party to really just say, you can do this now. So yes, I think if Mitt Romney, not Mitt Romney, I think if uh, Mitch McConnell steps up and, and votes to remove him, I think you're going to see more of the Republican Party vote to remove him than not, hopefully. I don't really want to get in the prediction business. What? You're the poster here. <laughs> well, I'm more about, you know, starting at models. <laughs> All right, Nate Silver. So I'm not going to ask you to predict, but I'm going to ask you a probability. What do you think the probability is that Trump is actually removed? 37%. 37%. Got it. <laughs> One last thing before we head out. Uh, after this capital nonsense in insurrection against our democracy happened, took place. Um, Facebook and Instagram, but Instagram is Facebook. Um, Twitter. Twitter. Spotify. Shopify. Pinterest. YouTube. So many places said, sorry, Trump, and banned them from their platforms. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of people have called this against free speech. Obviously, with private companies, it's not against free speech. It's their own right. You sign terms and agreements. Specifically under Section 230, if you want to look that one up in the Constitution. But, Terrell... What are your thoughts about this? Way to put me on the spot. What are your thoughts? I want to hear. I want to hear where you're coming from because I think. I think from your perspective, you've also been able to see it differently, and you've been able to hear all of the chatter. Um, I'm intrigued to just know, like, how do you feel, <laughs> especially because you you pay attention to the tech side of things. So, how do you feel with tech agencies making these types of moves? That's an interesting question. To be honest, part of that for me is doing more to kind of look into it. Because right now, Section 230 says tech companies can make these platforms, but they're not liable for what users do on them. Mm -hmm. Democrats have said, okay, if you're not liable for it, you still have to moderate it so there isn't hatred and violence just bursting at the seams in your platform. Like, for instance, Facebook and their algorithms showing you crazy shit and making moderates extremists. Yeah. Um, because that's how their algorithm works. It it favors the extremist crazy stuff. Um, Demo- or Republicans are mad because they feel like there's a, a liberal bias with these companies, right? Like, they can say something in Twitter, puts a check mark on them for, oh, did you read this article? Because this is false. Or there's been a lot of false reports on election fraud, which, yeah, everything they said have. Of course, on our side, it's like, well, obviously they should do that because... It's false. I mean... It's false. (laughs) You're making baseless claims that aren't true about the election and things like that or whatever happened in the past. But Republicans see it as these companies are biased against us and it's free speech. You're supposed to let us talk Mm -hmm. instead of take down our tweets. Obviously, that has fueled um, Donald Trump's ban from Twitter, which really is he's he's not being silenced, first of all, because he can go in the press conference and do a primetime press conference any any day he wants. Yeah, he can do that. But Twitter is his like most treasured platform. It's how he 
calls people out. He's fired people through Twitter before. Like mm-hmm. Twitter is his environment. And um, I couldn't help but laugh after I saw a political article about just how absolutely enraged he was when he got kicked off. Yeah. You know, screaming about making his own platform and things like that. Um, which might come into a larger conversation at a later date if something like that happens. Because Unfortunately. Now we have Parler being taken off, Amazon Web Services, Google's App Store, Apple's App Store. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, everybody's freaking out that it's... Censorship. Censorship. And it's against free speech when, again, it's not... I don't know how exactly I feel about Parler being removed yet. I think mm. I think companies have a right to moderate their content. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they've been doing it. But for some reason now, now they feel like maybe it was because of the Capitol riot that that was the final straw and things need to change. Yeah. I hope that means that they actually follow their own terms of service and rules because they haven't been for the last four years, especially with Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel good about that because they're allowed to do that. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. Parlor is a different story to me. Not really because it's a company or anything like that, but Parler is a place for conservatives, especially ones that believe that the election was a, was a fraud and it's wrong. They were going there and they were deleting Facebook and Twitter, but you don't want extremists of that sort on the mainstream media anyways. Yeah. It's so why don't you give them a place to go? Because Parler is not going to be mainstream. It's just going to be an FBI watch list. <laughs> True. Yeah. I think... I think Facebook I've, and Twitter are still going to be mainstream, whether they like it or not. Also true. I think I have three quick takes. One, Kamala Harris was right all along. There's a debate where she stood on a very crowded stage and called on Twitter to remove Donald Trump and... They essentially scoffed it off, laughed, said they don't have the ability, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward a year, um, and here we are. Um, well, year and a half. But I do think Twitter went a tad far in taking his account down, completely support, understand where they came from. He violated the terms and conditions. But uniquely honing in on him I find an, a small issue with and can understand the free speech argument because there's still a presidential account that is ran through the White House communications team. I mean, and he, he could use he that can't. account. Twitter blocked him on everything. So he tried to tweet out from that account and they removed the tweet. Oh, I did not hear about Because this. they knew it was him. And that's where I... I do understand some of the outrage and some of the frustration, but I also fall into the space of you you can't just go on there and tweet like it's your normal account either because that's also a problem. The reason that account was created is because it's supposed to be ran by a comms team and they're supposed to to monitor and do some things. So, yes, but um, I lean on, and this is my, my quick third piece, I lean on the same thing that every mainstream mainstream conservative has leaned on for the last few um, years. John Stuart Mill. John Stuart Mill does a really great job of talking about speech and why freedom of speech is important. Not because every person deserves to speak, but because the best check on 
a, a majority voice is to have minority opinions to challenge those assumptions so that the people have an opportunity to really process and think, do I agree with the majority or does the minority become the majority because people agree with that more? And it brings this, this um, cultivating of ideas. That is where the, the Republican Party and, and conservatives tend to stop. They ignore the fact that even John Stuart Mill noticed that that type of argument gives free reign to a lot of problematic things, specifically harm. So he took the time to speak to the harm principle and where speech needs to draw a line. Hence the reason we have libel in, in all of these different aspects of speech that are mandated through the First Amendment. And I think that's where this argument should lie. Like, yes, I, I do think it's important for everyone to share their ideas, and I think it's important to have a common space. I mean, this new app, Clubhouse, is a great example of that. But when the harm principle is invoked, when harm is being done, both intentionally um, and unintentionally, that speech is wrong and it goes against the idea of justice and creating a space where a majority or minority um aren't in in tandem um so that's where i think specifically to the donald trump argument and to everything that's happening with these uh crazy groups free speech has never been completely free. Even in the First Amendment, it's written where there are certain chasms and certain spaces where it's limited. And even if you want to lean on John Stuart Mill, at least do him the justice of reading through everything he says and use the harm principle to, to understand that there is a line. And when you have a person who's inciting violence and calling people who are marching through the Capitol of what was once considered the world's greatest democracy, chanting they're going to hang the vice president and they want to uh, change a free and fair election. When you call those people patriots and that you love them and they should just go home, you are enforcing the harm principle. And that speech is then, by and large, able to be limited. Final thoughts, Terrell. In one sentence, what are your final thoughts about everything that has happened in the last week? My final thought is this is a moment. Um, say what you will about Joe Biden, whether you voted for him or not. Joe Biden made it very clear the moment he decided to run for president was after Donald Trump walked out from Trump Tower and said that there were good people on both sides in Charlottesville. That was his call to action, his call to service for the country. I hope that for people in our generation, for, for people who are listening, who care, this is that same call to action because this, this can't be left alone like other things he has done. This can't be like the Ukraine situation where, ah, did he really do something bad? Maybe, maybe not. It's a politicized. This has to be a moment where bipartisanship wins out, where, where people take a second and say, no. And I'm going to run for office. I'm going to get involved in my community. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because there has to be a better hope for America than where we are now. My final thought is kind of similar to Terrell's. I kind of want to end on a good note here. 
The last week has been a lot. It has 2020 written all over it. I'm pretty sure 2021 starts on January 20th. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it does because yeah. we know it'll be better then a little bit. Um, I think for me, what we saw at the Capitol was disgusting. It was shocking, but not surprising yet still extremely disappointing and saddening. Mm -hmm. And I think the next couple of weeks are going to be some of the most important in America's history. At the same time, as we stand right now, less than 10 days away, almost a week away, we have an inauguration that isn't of Donald Trump. And we also have a Senate controlled by Democrats and a House controlled by Democrats. What I'm trying to say is there's hope. There's hope on, on the horizon. Obviously, we have a lot of work to do, but I'm also hopeful. I'm hopeful for what the future can bring as of January 20th. Thanks for listening. I'm Caleb. And I'm Terrell. And we're Dangerously Likely to see you next week. Thank you.